Welcome back into One on One, New York's longest running sports call-in show. We are pleased to be joined by artist Terry Cashman as we celebrate his hit, Talking Baseball's 40th anniversary. Terry, how are you doing today? Doing fine. Great. And so 40 years since it's hit, obviously a great accomplishment. What gave you the motivation to come up with such a unique song that tied in 30 years of baseball history? Well, um, the... Uh... The inspiration for the song came from a photo that was taken at Shea Stadium. Um, and it uh, depicted Willie Mickey, the Duke, and, uh, and the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio, all walking in from center field. And the picture was taken of their backs. They were in uniform. So you saw the numbers, four, five, seven, and 24. And um, that represented, uh, you know, at least 25 years of, of baseball in, in New York, with DiMaggio starting in the uh, in the 30s and retiring in 51. But what hit me was that the other three, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, all played at the same time, and all were three of the greatest center fielders who ever lived. And they played in the same city, which, <laughs> which was amazing. And when I realized that, uh, and I said, you know, the, the song is, is, is Willie McGann, too. And uh, I wrote the song in 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness, 20 minutes. Well, Terry, again, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Um, you know, 40 years later, the song continues to, to resonate with people. What do you think it is about the song that resonates with people? And is there anything specific about it that, that really resonates with you? Well, I, you know, I think uh, people remember, you know, when it, when it came along uh, in 1981, the strike in the, uh, in the split season. And, uh, you know, the names in, in the song, you know, I, I grew up in the 50s as a teenager. And, um, you know, all, all the players that I, that I named and all the events that I named, you know, the Wiz Kids, Bobby Thompson, and Yogi Berra, and, uh, you know, Wazuski and Campanella, you know, these, these are names that a lot of people remember. And um, I think they relate to those times as, and those players as much more innocent uh, than than what we have, you know, what we have today, and the you know, billions of dollars that are flowing around, and, uh, and players, you know, getting money that's, you know, really almost should be unheard of, but it's not. So, uh, you know, I think that, that people just relate to, to that time, uh, and even the players, you know, that I mentioned in the eighties, Rusty Stahl, and Pete Rose, you know, you know, people relate to them as good people. Yeah, so you released this song during the uh, the 1981 strike, as you just mentioned. And I think it's really interesting because that was an era when I would say baseball kind of ruled the sports world. It was the national pastime in the U.S. And I feel like recently it's possibly taken kind of a backseat to football. It's not really as popular with kids as it was back when you were growing up. Is there a reason you kind of think this is so? 
Well, in the case of, of football, it's the gambling aspect of football. I think that that draws uh, a lot of people to uh, to football, and uh, and you know the fact that you know football is once a week, uh, and now the Super Bowl has become a, a national holiday. Um, you know, it's, it 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 has become the num- number one sport, uh, and baseball, you know, is, is 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 slow. It's, it's something that uh, you know you have to you have to be into and really understand it and, and like it. You know for that reason. Uh, you know so it, it has taken a backseat to uh, to football. But uh, you know in, in in my day growing up, baseball was it. Um, every everybody had a favorite team, a favorite player, and uh, and. You know, went went to games. Uh, I, I went to a lot of games as a kid, and I was lucky. I grew up in New York, where we had National League and American League baseball, so I got to know all the players in the game. You know, people who lived in Detroit, they only knew really and saw only American League players. So, uh, so that you know, that was a big advantage. Uh, you know, Terry, before you hopped on the Zoom call, Ryan and I were just talking about the the incredible amount of players and, and events you were able to to intertwine into this song. And uh, we were curious about, you know, what was the creative process like of fitting all those things in while while trying to have some kind of rhyming scheme while also wondering, uh, were there any specific players or events that you were not able to fit into it just because it didn't work? Um, as I said, I, you know, I wrote the song in 20 minutes and and whatever came into my head, uh, you know, I went to, uh, I was thinking about the song and I went to sleep the night before thinking about those days of, of, you know, growing up in uh, Washington Heights and uh, having a a candy store on the corner where the newspapers would come up at night, the early editions, and everybody would go down to the corner and argue about baseball, what, what team was better and what players were, who's better, Yogi or Campy, who's better, Williams or DiMaggio, um, and mainly who's better, William McHugh and the Duke. So when I woke up the next day, I picked up my guitar and it just came out of me that, uh, you know, then I'm, I'm writing about the 50s. So in 1950, the Phillies won the pennant. They were the Wizards. In 1951, Bobby Thompson hit the shot heard around the world. And, you know, Yogi Berra was an you know, iconic, uh, great catcher, uh, you know, who had a famous picture. There's a famous picture of Yogi reading the comics. And, uh, you know, so it just came out of me, all, all of it. I really didn't. Uh, think about it. The, the only only um, thought that I got how to get Rusty Staub into the song somehow because he was a very close friend. Yeah. Um, so you just brought up all those different players: Yogi, Willie, Mickey, and obviously those are baseball heroes. Those are legends. Do you think for today's younger fans, those kind of you know you look at the past, the nostalgia. It's such a, it's such unique with baseball because the history is so rich. Do you think that these kind of heroes and stars of the past can kind of play a role and a present in growing the game to younger fans today? Um, you know, hopefully, but, uh, you know, I think that 
it depends on the relationship that uh, that kids have with their father. Uh, if, if the father, you know, passes those names down to the kids, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, well, who is who is the man? Well, the man, the man was Stan Musial, and look him up; he's one of the greatest players who ever lived. And something like that. Uh, in fact, I was at a game in Yankee Stadium, and I was sitting uh, in the stands, and in front of me were the father and son. And the song came on at Yankee Stadium, and it was uh, it was very rewarding for me because the father started telling his son who who these players were that I was naming. So that that was that was a, a great thrill, and it actually brought tears to my that's wonderful. Uh, you know, Terry, in a similar vein, you know, we were curious if you were to write, let's say, another verse or a whole other version of this song right now and, and try and make it about uh, the current stars and heroes of, of the baseball landscape, uh, who would be some of the players that you'd want to uh, particularly emphasize and some of the events that you'd really want to take note of? Oh, well, you know, I'd have to think about it, but, uh, you know, um... You know, certainly um, the ground <laughs> is becoming one of the one of the great pitchers of all time. Uh, and now you will have Otani. I can find something to rhyme with it. <laughs> and his, you know, his partner in the Angels, Mike Trout, certainly great player. Mm-hmm. You know, but I would have to look at all the, you know. And see, you know, what the nicknames, if they have any, they, they don't have the nicknames that the, the players used to have. Right. And so, you know, one of the reasons I was really happy we got you on is because you've obviously followed the game for a while now. And the last 40 years, just looking at when you came out with the song, the game has changed so much. The way players approach the game, you know, what teams emphasize what they look in players. I kind of wanted to know what was your opinion on how the game has progressed throughout your lifetime? Well, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, they've, they've come up with uh, a couple of things. Um, one of which, one of which I like, I, I like the idea of not having so many extra innings. You know, the, the ghost running on on, uh, on second base. Um, it's different, but that's okay. You know, uh, basketball brought in the three point play. Uh, football brought in the two-point conversion. And, you know, those things have, have made those games better. And uh, the one thing I don't, I don't like this idea of seven games. That's a joke. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they're trying different things and, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, this whole thing with the uh, sticky stuff is, is interesting. I think it's hurting uh, a few pitchers. Mainly on the Yankees. Uh, Terry, something uh, I wanted to ask you about, just as a, as a big fan of The Simpsons myself, I wanted to ask about uh, the uh, spoof talking softball that you wrote for the Homer at the Bat episode. Uh, what was it like, you know, kind of revisiting your, your process and trying to make a spoof? And, and what was it like working with uh, the creative minds at The Simpsons? Oh, they were, they were terrific. Uh, and they wrote most of that because they knew what they wanted to say. So uh, they wanted me to sing it. So I, I flew out to California 
and worked with them and, and recorded the song. And uh, that particular version brought a lot of kids um, to the song. And uh, I've been told by, by people that their kids love my song because it was on The Simpsons. So that was, that was great. They were, and they were terrific. They were very nice. Yeah, just taking it a step back, because obviously you're such a fixture in the game of baseball with all the different songs you've written and performed. And so where does this one, Talking Baseball in particular, rank as like a career accomplishment moment accolade for you? Well, um, you know, I've written, uh, you know, a number of, of hit songs, including Sunday We Never Be the Same, uh, which I wrote with uh, one of my partners, Gene Pistilli. Um but this is special, you know. I mean, I wrote it, I sang it, I produced it, uh, and and it has a special place in, in American history. So, uh, so I would say that that the talking baseball, which is you know become a phrase that people use all the time now, uh, and I think I invented that. Um, so, uh, so really making the do talking baseball I think, a high place. In You know, uh, certainly your, your your variations on the song are, are something that, that people have uh, particular affinities for, too. You know, whether that be talking Yankees baseball or, or the different versions you've done for different teams. Um, do you have a particular favorite uh, alteration of, of your song? I think the Cardinals uh, version is my favorite. And they were, they were, you know, like the Yankees, you know, they were... Um, that was an easy one to do because they've had a great history. They've won a lot of World Series. Uh, they've had a lot of great plays. You know, you met Stan the Man, Rogers Hornsby, and, and Bob Gibson. You know, they, they've had um, many, many MVPs. And, you know, they that was an easy one to do. And they're um, I'm trying to think of a, a line. There's a line in, in the song about the St. Louis being another Cooperstown, they had more Cooper. So, uh, you know, I enjoyed, as a writer, I enjoyed that kind of thing. You know, where, and, and hopefully people picked up on, you know, some of the nuances of the song. Did all, just to follow up on that last question, did, did you on your own decide to do it for all 30 teams after the success or did they approach you and ask you to come up with one? No, I was approached uh, by, uh, originally by the uh, Atlanta Braves. I had I had performed the song at the beginning of you know the second half of, of the split season. They invited me to go to Seattle to perform the song and sing the national anthem. And um, people, you know, with the Mariners asked me if I could put a couple of their players at the end of the song. I said sure. And and I put a couple of players in the Mariners in the song. And people in baseball heard about that. And the Braves uh, invited me to, to sing in, in, in Atlanta. Uh, I guess it was Turner Field. Was a, excuse me. And uh, a fellow named Larry Cantor, who worked, worked for the Braves, said, do you think you could write a whole song about the Braves? And call it Talking Braves, or Talking Atlanta, or something like that. And I said, I'll try. And it was hard because the Braves originally were a team, the Boston Braves, 
then they became the Milwaukee Braves, then they became the Atlanta Braves. So, uh, but I managed to do it, and uh, they paid me for the, for the song. And then pe other people in baseball heard of heard about you know that I had written this one for the Braves, uh, and they paid me to uh, to write you know for the Cubs in Minnesota and San Diego and so forth. Uh, and after I had done about ten different versions, I said, oh, let, you know, I'll go, I'll do all of them. So I set out and I accomplished the feat of, of doing everything. Awesome. Artist Terry Cashman, the man behind Talking Baseball. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thank, Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Lots more coming here on One on One. Stick around. <laughs>